Welcome to another episode of the Coal Region Campfire. We have a fun episode uh, in store today with uh, Joe Sapienza. He was the director of uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania's Lost Town. A great documentary. I'm sure most of you have seen it, but if you haven't, uh, definitely uh, go find it. Uh, you can go to uh, the website um, or the Facebook page. I'm sorry. Go to Centralia, Pennsylvania's Lost Town uh, Facebook. You'll be able to... Um, watch it somewhere on there i think you could get it on amazon um but definitely a great uh great documentary really well done uh just from a, a production standpoint as uh, someone who works in the industry definitely incredibly done great camera work uh great soundtrack just all the graphics and everything um <clears throat> now before we get to joe uh quick message from our sponsor darren j march who is a certified financial planner with raymond james uh, Darren, as you know, has been a Pottsville native and has been advising clients for the past, for more than 17 years in Northeastern PA. Sorry, it's a little early, so I'm not completely with it, but we're going to get there. He specializes in retirement planning and offers an independent, unbiased approach to investing. Raymond James does not offer its own investment products. This allows Darren to be able to structure a plan to fit your needs, not the needs of the firm. So if you have a 401k or retirement or retirement plan from a former job, or if your advisor just doesn't keep in touch, give them a call for a free, no obligation review, 570-640-8010, darren.march at raymondjames.com, Raymond James Financial Services, member FINRA SIPC, investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Finally got that. That was a little bit of a mouthful today. Um, again, I'm just warming up here. It's my uh, sexy morning voice. Uh, but I think you guys could appreciate that. So on to Joe. I guess my first question is: Now you're fr- you're originally from Philadelphia, right? Uh, yes. So how did you find the Centralia story, and and what kind of captivated you to to say, wait, this is this is a good enough story that because I mean it took you years. I mean I, I'm a filmmaker myself, so I know the amount of energy and time that you have to put into something. So to actually have a topic that kind of grabs you enough to say, okay, I'm going to dedicate my next year, year and a half to this, you know, take us through that process. Yeah, well, I found out about Centralia from a good friend of mine, uh, Sue Berkheimer, and we dedicated the film to her. Um, this was probably around 2000, 2002. And then uh, a few years went by, and I read Dave DeCoke's book, uh, Fire Underground, and then I started reading more books, and, you know, more stuff was popping up online, like probably a little after 2008, 2009, and I was reading more and more, you know, on the side here and there. And I always thought that, um, you know, after reading everything, I'm like, you know, thinking to myself that I'm, I'm like, it would make a really interesting story to show on video, on film. Now, I had no idea that uh, there was a documentary done in 07 called The Town That Was, and uh, I didn't watch it until actually a few months ago, and I thought it was really well done. But it didn't cover the entire broad story uh, from beginning to end, like the history of Centralia, what had happened and, uh, you know, the lawsuit that followed in 2013, obviously because the film came out in 07. So we wanted to do just a whole broad scope of the entire town and take the viewer from the beginning when uh, Centralia was founded all the way through to the mine fire and the relocation, eminent domain, and the lawsuit, and the, the there, and then what's left after, you know. Um, and we started scouting, I think it was July 2013, 
and we finished uh, just about um, the edit was finished in April of 2017, and then it premiered May 2017. Wow! So four years, start to finish, a little over four years. Yeah, yeah. Now, now mind you, I was doing a lot of this on the side because I was a freelancer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I'm working during the week, and a lot of these shoots were done during the weekends or maybe once in a while during the week. Um, and it, what was so time-consuming was the trips going out to Centralia because we would have to leave really early to go shoot out in Centralia if we wanted any interviews or B-roll, you know, and then come back to Philly. We're two and a half hours away. Right, right, right. You know, or... Or if we had to do any uh, interviews out in Harrisburg, it was the same thing. So that was uh, that was just what was so time-consuming. It wasn't like we could just go down the street and start filming, you know. Now, were you ever in Centralia prior to filming, like as a kid going to Knobles or anything like that? Or, or that was the first time you ever stepped foot in Centralia when you started filming? Yeah, no. I uh, The first time I, I stepped foot in Centralia was uh, July of 2013. It was me, uh, my assistant director, my producer, my DP, and we all went up there just to scout it out to see what was uh, what was left, and there really wasn't anything. You know, we went up Highway 61, and we saw the big crack. We're like, okay, that's interesting. And then we're looking around, and like, well, there's no steam coming out. We, we saw nothing because now it's July, you know, and there's maybe there at that time, I think there were five homes left. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell am I going to make a documentary out of this? Like, what are we going to do? You yeah. know, so... Uh, so that was the hard part. Uh, so we kind of went backwards. We, we contacted Dave DeCoke. He was willing to talk to us. Um, and then he introduced us to Tom Dempsey. And after Tom Dempsey, we started meeting more residents and, and gaining the trust of more people, you know, which uh, sure. over the years, yeah, that's what took more time. Because over the years, we found more and more people, you know, that would um, be up for, for talking to us and for an interview. So, and what, what uh, was your really, initial reaction when you got there? Were you like, was it kind of surreal, like seeing this town that you know? I mean, you see the you see the houses with the with the you know bricks on the side and stuff like that. It's it's always a little bit creepy yeah. your first time, you know, going up there. When we first went up there, it was a little creepy for me because we didn't know the area. You know, we didn't know what you know who was around or what would. There was just nothing there. It was just like kind of dead silence and. um if it wasn't for the pictures that Dave DeCook had lent us for the, um, that he gave us the rights to for the film, um, I could have never filled in, like, what was there. Because you, you still saw the street grid. Right. You know, and we're looking, we were on top of the hill looking down at everything, and we're and, I'm, and I saw some of the photos that he had online, and I'm trying to picture where everything was at one time. And uh, you just got this feeling like something was uh, ripped out of here you know, yeah. years prior, you know, and it, it was just a sad, just a sad feeling, you know, and then you saw all the trash and pill bottles and needles, needles lying around, you know, in the backwoods, and it, it was just really sad, that's all. Yeah, I mean, now, I, I watched a documentary at the at the Majestic, and I mean, it was sold out, I think, the whole weekend it was sold out, I think you had over 200 people every showing, uh, which was awesome to see, yeah. and you know, the one thing that stood out to me was just like all the archival footage that you got. Did you guys like hit a, a, a treasure trove of archival footage or was that kind of you just pieced it slowly together and kind of or, or was it one person just you're like, oh, my God, like I need to have this in there? Um, no, we had um, that didn't come about till post-production, which um, was like our last year when we started putting the edit together. We. We had all of Dave the Coke photos. I think we used 
Uh, it was well over 200 of his photos. I don't remember the exact amount. And then we have Renee Jacobs. We pulled her photos. We have a few of those in there. And then from there was the Schuylkill uh, Historical Society in Pottsville. And okay. then there was another historical society. We used there all their news articles from Sprack scrapbooks that we found uh, that was donated from Joe Coddington and, and more photos. And then we went to Channel 16 WNEP and asked them for news clips, and, and we uh, licensed those. I think we had 10 news clips total from them. And that's um, we didn't put that stuff in until the very end. Once we had all the interviews lined up in the edit, because there was no narr- narration, you know, we, we, the, the movies pulled through through uh, right. everybody's, uh, you know, interview. So uh, we just put all that on top of the... Um, of the interviews, the B-roll afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, we, we knew what we needed to fill in. And some of the stuff was hard to get because, you know, somebody would be talking about a certain part of the town or a certain person. And we'd have to run around and email and call people saying, Hey, do you have a photo of this person? Or, you know, a news clip showing governor Thurberg, you know, in the town. And that was the hard part was trying to get some of the archival footage uh, to fill in. But luckily we were able to, to pull it off and get it. Now, have you been up to Centralia after the film has been done? Have you been up there recently? Uh, yeah, we we weren't up there at all last year. Um, we started going back in, uh, I think it was May of this year. I was actually just there this weekend, because um, now we're filming a six-part miniseries. Oh, so we're, awesome. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be up there um, much more, uh, and, and back in Harrisburg and... Um, uh, pretty much uh, all over the place too. Now we're we're getting um, more residents to come out and talk to us and share their stories, and a couple other state officials that we couldn't get during the time when we shot the feature, they're willing to talk to us. Um, one of the appraisers that 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 appraised the homes at the time during the relocation, we're going to talk to him. And uh, we were just up there this week uh, talking to a couple residents, and um, they just did a great job sharing their story. And that's all we wanted, you know. We don't, we're not, we, and they understand that, you know. We just want them to come out and talk about how Centralia was, where did they live, how did it feel, you know, relocating out of their home, and and um, just take it from there, just to show the audience of of what this town was about, yeah, you know, and what was there at the time, and and what had happened. You now, know? what would you so, say? I mean, because the story is so vast, how were you able to kind of like hone it in to? What was the documentary? Like an, an hour and a half, I believe it was, right? Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, it was an hour and a half. Originally, it was we had a six-hour cut. I wanted <laughs> when we first, yeah, when we first started putting, we overshot so much, and there's a couple interviews that didn't even make it in the cut, and we we did a lot of stuff with a lot of the residents and didn't even make it into the cut, and it was we had uh, we had it narrowed down to six hours, and then it was two hours, and then we uh, got it cut down to an hour and a half, which was just like perfect enough right. information without, you know, overdoing it. So that's why we, I always had it in the back of my mind of doing a, a series where we can narrow each episode and, and uh, focus one episode on the fire, one on the lawsuit, two episodes on the people of Centralia. Um, so that's what we're doing now. And we're actually going to use a lot of the, uh, a lot of the stuff that we filmed a few years ago that wasn't in the film. And we're going to put that in the series as well. Now, obviously, you got a great reception up here in the coal region. What was what was the reception like outside the area? Uh, it was um, surprisingly well uh, well received up in New York, in Florida. We screened it out there oh, down in awesome. Washington D.C. 
Yeah, so people, there is an interest with it. It was uh, much bigger in Pennsylvania and in, in, in the coal region. Uh, a lot of people know about the story, but they didn't, uh, or they were familiar with it, but they didn't know the whole entire, you know, scope sure. of it. So, uh, and to be honest with you, the first time it came out in Pottsville, we had no idea uh, we were going to sell out. We figured we would get maybe 20, 30 people in, because we're thinking, you know, it's a documentary, sure, Australia. Yeah. We'll do a few film festivals, we'll do a few theaters, and that'll be it, you know. Uh, we were really shocked when they had called me. Um, I was actually on my way down there, and they said, uh, you might be sold out. And I was uh, just shocked. I'm like, wow, I was really surprised, but I was so happy, you know, to be there with everybody when it first premiered. Yeah, I mean, you know, we went, I think we went to the Sunday showing, and, you know, after it was done, I mean, you know, people clapped, and, I mean, they were, obviously, it's impressive you know, to get something done like that, but it was, it, it was really well done. The production value of it was, was amazing. And, you know, the archival footage kind of gives it that flavor that, you know, you feel like you're there for that hour and a half. You don't feel like, you know, you're just watching something. So, and for so many people yeah. around here, just passing through it. I mean, you know, again, when you go up to Knobles as a kid, you remember seeing the, you know, the smoke from the, from the road and stuff like that. Now, obviously today you don't see that, but it's uh, yeah. pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you do. You will. The only time you'll see it though is between like December and February. If it's really cold, and you go back in the hill there, you'll see it. Right. Uh, yeah, because we actually we were up there in December. I think it was 2015 or 2016 after it snowed, and we filmed. Cause, and that, some of that's in the film too. Uh, towards the end, where yeah. we we got some of the steam coming out of the holes. It was really cold that day, and we got some really uh, cool footage. Now, what's your? Uh, I mean, I know there's a couple different theories like. What what's your theory? Did that the, it, it's it's pretty much burned out. It hit it hit a coal vein, or 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 is there another theory that you kind of subscribe to? Um, no, I I kind of you could tell that it's still burning, uh, especially when you go up there, uh, you know, in the winter and see the steam coming out of the holes up on the top of the mountain, and um, we were told by state officials and of course by residents, yeah, it's still burning. It's just in a deeper coal vein now. And, uh, the nonprofit at Camar, we, we interviewed those guys. They had all the old mining maps and they showed us, uh, what coal vein it had traveled down to. So uh -huh. that's why you don't see that, see it as much because it's in a deeper coal vein. Right. Um, it's, but it's past the Coddington gas station where the Coddington gas station used to be on Locust in the South. And it's moving towards Mount Carmel. And we were told either it'll hit a water table, burn further down, and hit uh, hit like a dead end stop, and uh, or burn itself out. It could take anywhere from eighty to a hundred years. That's what we were told, you know. Um, and I uh, I don't know. I mean, from all the footage we saw from seeing it with my own eyes, the steam coming out. I mean, it's definitely still burning. Sure. You know, you could put your hand to the ground and feel the temperature from from that portion where the steam's coming out over to another portion where there's still snow, you know. Now, what was your most, so, uh, uh, like, awe moment making the film, you know, spending time up in Centralia? Was there, uh, you know, a fact that you found out or just seeing the site of uh, Graffiti Road? I mean, what, what was the one moment that kind of stood out to you? Uh, I think the, um, there really wasn't, like, an awe moment, um, I think probably when we were up there in 2015, when we filmed the steam coming out of the uh, the ground, I think that was like, because that was the first time I ever saw that. And we were right there in front of it. You know what I mean? Like, I saw our, we, we got archival footage of it. Um, 
and I had saw that, but when we were out there and, and walking around and actually saw the steam coming out, you know, firsthand, I was like, wow, this is just unbelievable. Well, that's the first time I've ever seen something like that. You know, um, did you get a hot dog from the hot dog? Vent? Isn't there a hot dog? <laughs> there? <laughs> there was, but I don't think he's there anymore. Okay. Um, yeah. When we were, we were just up there this weekend. I didn't see him up there either. So now what do you, what do you think is next for Centralia? I mean, we're, how, how do you think this story ends? Uh, how do I think it will? It yeah, will I, I mean, do you think do you think the residents? I mean, do you think there'll ever be a point where there's no more residents there? They just kind of die out, or or yeah, because they were granted um, life estates, so they can't pass the um, they can't pass their homes down to the next generation. So okay. once they're once they pass on, yeah, that's it. The house is gone, and there's there's one, two, there's three families left there. And I think uh, five or six residents out of those families. It's mainly the Hanofsky family, Harold Mervine, and um, I can't think of the other woman's name. She's just outside the barrel over Park Street. But wow. yes, well, from what we were told, once they pass on that fit, the state comes in and takes over the house and pretty much tears it down. Uh, yeah, so, it's, uh, it's... I would imagine that after that, uh, after they pass on, um, which will be years from now, they're, 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 those families, I think they're in their like 50 early 60s right uh, so we had interviewed harold burvine for the film and he was really really a nice guy and I, I still talk to him today um i would assume once they tear down all those houses the barrel building would be next to go as well unless what unless aristes acquires it for the fire truck that's still in there maybe or ashland i i i don't know i would imagine maybe or they would just tear it down completely you know yeah that that church in aristes that sits up in the mountain there actually bbc did a little piece on that on that church uh it's a pretty strong you know community or you know oriented church yeah yeah the church in aristes it's a beautiful church at saint mary's church yeah yeah. um now obviously you had a a whole crew i mean how how many people does it take you know for for our listeners you know not too familiar with the film production how, how many people that it take to get you know from start to finish with with the whole film uh to make the film yeah i mean for everything uh, from soup to nuts um i had uh usually when we went up there it was a small crew and i had many different camera operators because i have a lot of friends who own equipment i own equipment my, myself and it was pretty much just pick and pull like if i had some crew available the weekend we were going to go up there i I pulled them, and, and whatever gear we could get, um, we pulled it. And uh, I would say probably between, I think we we had 10 different camera operators. We had a time-lapse operator who was up there for a day or two. Uh-huh. And then and then we had um, we had two editors. I had my colorist um, to match everything. We had shot on seven different cameras uh, throughout the course of four years. And shooting on seven different cameras, if you see the original cut, uh, all the... Uh, the interviews look different, you know, between uh, different sensors from the cameras and from different formats that we shot in. Right. Uh, so it looked really odd, and I knew I had to color it anyway, and she did a great job. Um, so she colored the entire film and uh, made it look like it was shot with one camera. Yeah, I mean, the production value of the film is amazing. And, you know, you had your graphics. I mean, those graphics, you, you kind of made those still photos just come alive and... The, yeah, that's my that's a good friend of mine, Corey uh, Brannigan. He works for a production house up in New York, and he does special graphics for a living. So, I took some photos to him, and I I had 
this idea to make them like 3D because I saw them done in another documentary and I thought it, it was really cool. So he was able to pull that off. I think he did 12 photos for us. Yeah, it was awesome. And then, yeah, I really liked that. And um, and then Melena Smith was my colorist. She works in New York. She's a she's a colorist for Dupont, and she uh, colored the film. I think the the coloring of the film took four months because she did it on the side as well. And we had to do it in twenty minute or fifteen minute segments. So I would have to go up there, up to New York twice a month, and we would go through it frame by frame. Oh my gosh! And, yeah. Uh, I know that Yeah, because you want to make sure. <laughs> Yeah, it was, because you want to make sure everything looks good, the colors are good, the contrast is good. We would spend a whole day just on the first 15, 20 minutes of the film. I'd come back two weeks later, do another 15, 20 minutes, and you're you're there for 8 to 10 hours just doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, and, and as you know, you want it to be perfect, because when it's up on the big screen, you want it to sound good, you want it to look good, so people are, you know, interested. And, of course, you want the story to be good yeah i mean <laughs> you, you know. know when you always look at your own work you only pick out the mistakes unfortunately you're looking at it like oh i should have done that differently, <laughs> or, you know that doesn't look right but no one else recognizes it except for except for our own eye so that's the one i know it's, and it, yeah and it's funny you say that because i still i've seen that film so many times that when i see it again at film festivals i always think wow i should have did this differently or this this should be at this end of the film or this should have been moved, you know, right. and that goes through my head. And it, and it's just like, and my editors tell me, you just need to let it go. It's done. Yeah, you know, it, nobody knows. <laughs> Pixar will, uh, they have a saying, they said, you know, we never get done a film, we just run out of time. And I think that's, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> I like that saying, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I should have never did that or I should have never yeah. put that in or... You know, but uh, I'm just so happy that everybody enjoyed it and, and really got a lot out of it. And I think they'll enjoy the series as well. And you can find that, that on, now put that on YouTube or Vimeo. How's that going to work? Uh, the series we're going to put together and we're going to put a trailer that we hope to have out either late fall or early 2019. And we want to show the trailer to uh, grant writers and investors. And we're hoping to get it picked up so a network will show it. Or even if we can get a distributor to get it on Netflix, that Absolutely. would be awesome. That, that's yeah. our yeah, that's our goal, um, because I'm uh, my production company is producing it, and we're shooting it and editing it and putting it all together. So it's already going to be done. We just need somebody to, to we just need a distributor to to uh, put it out on a platform, you know, Absolutely. whether it's a network. Yeah, so um, that's our goal. That's what we want to do. Um, and you know how that goes. That can take a year or two, you know, yeah. to, for somebody to pick that up, you know. Um, so that's why we need a, a really uh, compelling and, and, and a really cool trailer, and um, that's what we're going to use to sell the series. We'll probably have like a two two to three minute trailer to tie the whole series together to show people, you know, what what we're trying to get across now with with the um, Centralia story uh, being in a in a series. And we're thinking it would be cool because you know now if somebody wants to go to one episode. They can watch one episode on the fire or one episode on the lost. Yeah, if they're interested in something in particular, you know what I mean. Absolutely. So. Yeah. It's, uh, actually, um, my my guest last week, uh, Meredith Averill, she's from Pottsville, and she's uh, she's an EP right now out in uh, in in um, L.A. I mean, she's worked on The Good Wife, uh, you know, a bunch of shows, Life on Mars. She's a writer, and she actually sold the pitch for Centralia to uh, NBC. She said. 
Um, oh, nice. Not, not a documentary, but it was, you know, like a, I think it was like a horror genre. Uh, so oh, okay. it, it's there. The, the, the interest of Centralia is, is across the country. I mean, especially for people who are, you know, kind of into that stuff. I mean, it's, it's just such a neat story and, and, you know, it's definitely intriguing, yeah. you know, just visually it's intriguing. Everything about it is, is, you know, captivating in terms of something starts from a fire and now you have a whole town. I mean, even when I watch it, I, I think the part that really just kind of hit me like emotionally, like, Oh man, like there was a bustling town here is in your film when you had, uh, the footage of the old school. And it's like, oh, geez, yeah. you, you forget that they had a school, you know, and it was... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had a school, a couple of churches, even a high school. Uh, I know they had... Uh, Tom Dempsey had told us uh, that they had over 30 bars in there at one time. That I believe. I that, that's, that is yeah. no problem to believe in the coal region. <laughs> well, thanks oh, so much, God. Joe. Um, definitely uh, interesting, and uh, we'll definitely uh, be in touch. I'm sure people will be following you now, especially with... Uh, you know, with the new series coming out, you'll definitely have an interest up in this area. That's that's no doubt. Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to that. It should be well, the the series will actually be done probably around November or December, and then once our trailer comes out between December and January, um, we'll have it in the can and ready to go. And hopefully, somebody will uh, say, "Hey, yeah, we'll buy it." Yeah, and absolutely. Here, there, you know, show it somewhere. You know, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, we're going to probably, I think I'm going to have a rough cut of the trailer. We're doing something in Dillsburg, September 20th, and it's up on our Facebook page. Um, Dillsburg wants to do, uh, I don't know if you ever, have you ever been to Dillsburg? I have not been to Dillsburg. It's, Dillsburg's a little town just outside of York, PA, and it's a really cool place. There's a, there's a place called uh, Dillsburg Tavern, and we did a promotional video with them uh, for them a few years ago, and the tavern... Uh, you walk into it and and you're taken back into the 17th century. Huh. It's it's such a cool yeah. It's a really cool place, and it's a, a historical uh, society. And you can walk through there. They give tours. You can have events there. So they're going to give an event and show portions of our film and want to talk about it to the audience. So they're hosting us September 20th. Oh, awesome! And then we're going. Yeah, so it's pretty cool um, that they're going to do that for us. And then I want to show a, uh, a trailer of the series and. Um, if people like it, that's a good sign. If people aren't going to like it, then we know we have to do something about it. Yeah, you know? I, th <laughs> I think a, you'll get a good reception. That's a good time to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. So do we. So do we. But you, you know how that goes. You never know. You yeah, know? exactly. What you think is going to work doesn't, and then what you don't think is going to work is, is a hit. <laughs> it, it makes no sense. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, Joe, thanks so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. I think it was uh, definitely very interesting. Uh, especially to see someone from outside the area come in and, and give his perspective on it. And I think he did an incredible job. And again, if you haven't seen that documentary, uh, definitely in your best interest to go see it. See you next week.